Welcome to At The Whiteboard with Ruth and Nicole, the podcast for people who want to crush it at work. Each week, we'll talk about the latest tips, trends, and tricks to help you love your job and to help your boss love you too. It's like having a personal coach whispering advice into your ear, but without the whispering. Okay, let's get into this week's episode. Don't even put that in there I or I'll kill so you. So I'm going to put it no. in there. I was doing it because I was pushing the button before you did for a change. Hi. Hi. Did you see my hair? So short, bouncy. Chopped it off. Sassy. Thank you, Salon Wisp in Burlington. They know hair. Salon Wisp can provide all of your hair and color needs. Call Renee at Salon Wisp. <laughs> Salon Wisp. Are we going to do a jingle for them now? Yeah. Can you imagine? Renee, you didn't know this, but we're working on a jingle for you. <laughs> It'll sound a lot like that entry. Salon Wisp. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Terrible. We have the worst, weirdest intros because we're usually giddy from something else or we've just been doing other work and we're not in the... In the zone? In the zone. I'm feeling very... Zen today. That's good. Like being able to talk into the mic. Hello. 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 No, that makes me think of um, Saturday Night Live when they're doing the NPR spots and they go, <laughs> hello, into the microphone. No? I was going to say something I inappropriate say and it. I didn't. The, the Look Al- at me. The Alec Baldwin. Yeah. Yeah. Google it. <laughs> <laughs> We're not talking about it on here. Inappropriate. Now I'm going to play with my bangs like you do because I have my bangs back. They just didn't... They're never... They're never where I want them to be. It's humid. I'm excited for fall this year. Always. I'm usually like... I like to eat up summer, but I'm tired of being hot. I like the middle of the road. See, we had the extreme winter, which was awful. And I was dying for spring, but we never got spring. It seemed to jump right into heat and humidity. Yeah. Now we've got fall coming. I'm hoping for a nice fall. I like that crisp air. It's good for my hair. It's not the heat. It's the humanity. Okay. <laughs> and this and completes our section our of really witty, opening. <laughs> witty yeah. banter. So guess what we're talking about today? Well, I don't. I mean, I know because I thought of it. You thought of it, but, but I looked up all the stuff. <laughs> That's true. So, um, last week and the last several weeks, we've been talking about gender bias at work. We talked about uh, coming back from a leave for women, how that's difficult. We talked about inclusive language. And last week, we talked about men um, and specifically language that they can or shouldn't use if they want to be part of the culture shift that is um, making women feel more comfortable in work. Was that last week? Wasn't no, and then, and then? We, then we talked about, last week was women and entrepreneurship. Wow, we've done Entrepreneurs. So Entrepreneurs. So this week, I thought that based on what you suggested, so you talked about lean in. And what does it mean to lean in? And I took it a little farther, because once I looked it up, leaning in, that phrase came from Sheryl Sandberg's book from 2013. And it was um, not specifically, but heavily talking about women and motherhood 
and embracing opportunities despite all the obstacles that new moms or not new moms, but moms may have, yeah. working moms. And, and the, I, the gaps of, of women yeah. in senior executive positions, especially so, in technology and things like that. Yeah, so we were talking about that a little bit, and I felt like we had covered quite a bit of that in the last several weeks. And that morphed into perhaps focusing on the art of speaking up. Because um, you were telling, maybe you'll tell it again. Well, you will tell it again. <laughs> Uh, but we talked about why women, why don't we speak up? And by speaking up, I mean you have an idea, a suggestion, a concern, a question, a thought, and not all women speak up. So why don't we speak up? I don't, I mean, I think, I, I, so do you want me to tell that story now? Yes, that, tell that, that story. That was, okay. that, yeah. So many years ago, I was in a, a meeting and I was the manager, and I was speaking, I think, to a senior senior executive. Um, and there was a bunch of people on the call, and things were kind of moving forward. And then the senior executive basically captured what we were talking about in completely the wrong way. It was the complete opposite. And I remember sitting there and saying, it's not possible that this person could be wrong as this senior executive. She was also a woman, actually, Mm -hmm. um, in this particular case. Um, And I had myself convinced that it must be me that was wrong. Um, And I remember coming out of the meeting, and my team was really disappointed in me because I hadn't stood up for them properly because I literally had just gone mute. I, I literally, there were no words could come to my mouth. And I'll tell you right now, that's pretty unusual. That's very unusual. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I remember I came back out of that meeting and I was telling you the story and you said something to the effect of, Nicole, I've, I've known you now for a long time. I would say 95% of the time, you're right. <laughs> Especially on the context of, you know, a, a big concept you would very clearly understand a big concept I, I don't know if you knew my my lack of penchance for details then maybe I did <laughs> but yeah. you basically just said you know on a big picture item Nicole 95 percent of the time Gets you're going to be right yeah so why wouldn't you speak up by not speaking up you actually you're missing out on a huge opportunity and I never mm-hmm. forgot that and that was the little bit of confidence or whatever I needed to say, you know what, 95% of the time I'm right. And if I'm wrong, you know, that, that's another thing to deal with. And that's not such a big deal, especially if it's only 5% of the time. Yeah. It's funny. I remember um, when I was first starting out way, way back in the 90s, and I learned that the most junior person did not sit, the more, sorry, the more junior people did not sit at the table. You sat at the chairs around the edge of the table or sorry, the edge of the room against the wall. Yeah. And it never occurred to me that that was a, a thing for women to, to not choose a seat at the table. Yeah. Because I was growing up, um, in quotes, in a male-dominated industry, so there were also men who were junior who were sitting around the table at the wall. I never figured it out until so much later that as, as my career changed and the times progressed, and I left the automotive industry and went into more um, industries where there were more women, such as government, public service, customer service, etc. It was definitely a change where more women were sitting in those chairs against the wall in the room instead of coming into the room and feeling confident to sit at the table when it had nothing to do with seniority. 
it was very definitely women. And I think it was those women did not feel confident enough saying, my opinion will be important. I'm going to have a seat at the table. No one told me to sit over there. I chose it. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting to me that women feel like they need to choose that seat. Yeah, I, I mean, it might be a, a bunch of things that we don't even think about. I, I don't think it's just a, oh, you know, I'm consciously going there and saying, you know, well, this is where women sit and this is where the men sit or anything like that. It might just be as simple as, I, I don't believe that I may have something to contribute to this meeting as much as anyone else does. Yeah. Um, and it's like, I'm going to sit back and observe and hopefully no one calls on me. Yeah. But why do women do this more than men? Or do they? Are we, we don't have any statistics on this. I mean, I think this was a big component of, of Sheryl Sandberg's book. And she yeah. said this is something that women are statistically doing is sitting on these outskirts or sitting on areas, you know, where they, they don't have an active position to speak from. Um, I, I think it's because of a fear of not being liked, mm-hmm. a fear of being wrong, like in my case. Mm-hmm. Flip the tablecloth up there. Um, you know, a fear of being wrong over overswept my ability to speak my point and be confident. Well, um, I was reading an article. So Cheryl Sandberg's book came out in 2013. And then I was telling you um, this morning on the breakfast news show, I heard about this article that had been published in Rolling Stone magazine. And it's a study out of University of Ottawa about women in country music. And it said, I'm going to scroll it so I get it right. Um, but it said something, well, I don't want to go through the whole article, but something to the effect that um, years ago, back 10 or plus more years ago, um, women were, uh, the ratio of male songs on the radio to female songs on the radio was two to one, which is already bad. But it's much worse now, it's nine and a half to one. So I found the article, and right now it said, um, in the year 2000, women held 33% of songs on the year-end country airplay reports. 33% of songs were by women in the year 2000 on the top charts. Last year, it was 11.3%, a decline of 66%. And it says the last time women were represented well in the country music charts, it was Taylor Swift still making music. Uh, for country. So then there's this section where it says this report is dismal and music knows it. And they're talking about the industry, the radio stations, the record labels, etc. And it says that women in country music industry hear phrases like this. And I think this is so interesting that it's about country music because it applies absolutely to other things that we've been talking about. So the first one is if you want to improve station ratings, remove the women. This is a phrase that is out there today and that women artists are hearing. Remove the women if you want to improve station ratings. Um, country radio is principally male format. Uh, women are not financially viable. Women don't have as many hits. We only have space for one female on the roster and women don't want to hear women. So it's so interesting because I would say who doesn't want to hear women? There are so many successful female acts in country music in the past. What's the difference between the way they were treated in 2000 versus 
today, almost 20 years later. And the article then, you, you know, you can find it in um, Rolling Stone online. Um, it was today, no, from April 26th. And they're saying that the onus needs to be on the industry to put standards in place of diversity, representing gender diversity on the airwaves. Because how can a woman have a hit if the radio stations won't play her? And the radio stations won't play her because she won't have a hit. It's that terrible cycle, but it's focusing on women right now. Huh. And it's gotten worse over the years, which made me think of that whole lean-in philosophy of Sheryl Sandberg and sitting around the table and how when I was doing it in the 90s, I was probably really naive about the gender issue um, because the gender issue at Ford at the time was much worse than just the meeting room. It was hired, getting hired. So, But now we're seeing it more and more with women self-selecting to sit against the wall. Wow. It's fascinating, and I, I, I'm, I'm curious to see, I'm curious to hear, and it'll be a great kind of topic of discussion at our mm-hmm. uh, forum in September, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, is how, how are these things changing? Have things changed for you? I mean, I know for me now, I have absolutely zero issues stating my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say you know, or leaning in on, on a conversation, you know, making sure that an error is caught or, you know, even if it seems wrong saying like, Hey, can I just check in on something here? This doesn't seem right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say there is still some occasions when I tend to get swallowed up and then we'll kind of shut down. Oh, interesting. Uh, it was pro- it's probably over talking and it's our famous sexist client is the last time I can remember. Um, uh, over and over, you know, you're talking, you're making something, and someone over-talks you. Yeah. Um, and then basically just quiets you out. And if that happens to me enough times, I just shut down. And I, I don't have done that with a anymore. female client that over-talks me. Um, and just, it's so personality-based, I think, uh, and I will shut down. So for me, again, it's not one of those things that is gender-biased, but... If I was sitting in a meeting and a man was doing it too, I might shut down more quickly. Yeah. Although today, I, I think it's been it's 30 years in business. I, maybe I wouldn't anymore. I'm not sure. It makes me think of that uh, we were talking about being liked and wanting to be liked. Yes. And how that seems to be a uniquely female thing. So again, Sheryl Sandberg in her book told this story about the, the what she call it, the Howard Heidi experiment. And a professor um, wrote up a case or got his students or somebody to write up a case about a successful female venture capitalist. She had done very, very well. Her name was Heidi something or other. And so he got half of a class to read the report as is and the other half to read the report with the name changed to Howard. And then they had to assess the report and the success of the person in it. So they all ranked the person the same level of success, whether they were male or female, but with the real name of Heidi, they said, no, they said that Howard was more likable and Heidi was not. Interesting. And they found that um, to be successful and get ahead, she had to be uh, unlikable and unfriendly. And yet it was the exact same person in the same report. Wow. Yeah. So there seems to be this piece, this thing where we've talked about it with 
you know, what, no matter what side of the political spectrum you're on, there was a big conversation about Hillary Clinton and the content versus needing to be liked. And today, the, the new crop of people running for election and the women, do they, can they be liked? Are they likable? Um, and I and think... there's this fine line between being yeah. um, outspoken and opinionated and direct while also being likable. Yeah. Yeah, the, the only thing, the closest I can come to for men in the same way is that um, in Hamilton, the musical Hamilton, they talk about, um, he's so nice, it's like you could have a beer with him. You know, like, what a guy. These guys are running for president. Yeah. You know, Aaron Burr and Thomas Jefferson are running for president. You could have a beer with him. And it was very much like Obama, where he said he was a real bro. You know, you could have a beer with that guy. That's as close as it comes that I could find where people said they were likable. Because otherwise, they don't much care if the guy is likable. I mean, he has to be a bit smooth these days in, you know, the social media and all. Do they? I don't know. Well, let's not get into politics. <laughs> but yeah, the, the content versus likability. And I think, again, I have no statistics. I feel like women, more women want to be liked. And so they are careful in how they choose their words, um, which is important. Don't get me wrong. I think people should be careful how they choose their words and what they say. It's when it's to extremes. Yeah, and I believe we were talking about that in one of our earlier episodes of, you know, using this language, you know, if you don't mind, yeah. you know, and all these kind of precursors to directive language. Um, and it, is that a, a result of wanting to be liked? So trying to oh, use yeah. this soft language to try to be liked. If it's to not too much to trouble, would it, be, would it be a problem if you could please go, you know, when you have a minute, if you can, right. could you go and, and so make these copies? Because the, the women who are direct are yeah. a bitch. Well, yeah. There, I said it. You did say it. So, let me poke at that a bit further. Um, so, you've got the extremes for a woman. One woman saying, if it's not too much trouble and it's really, if it, you know, it's only if you have time, could you please go make me these copies? Or they're saying, go make me these copies. A man saying, go make me these copies versus if it's not too much trouble, and you have, but only if you have time, can you go make me these copies? Is it the same? Yes. It is the same. It is the same. And, and while I don't think that anybody should, especially a, you know, a manager and a person whose um, role is to delegate, shouldn't be all, oh, if it's not too much trouble, I really am sorry to bother you. That's a little ridiculous and that yeah. lacks confidence. I also don't think people should be saying, go make me these copies. I think they should say, if you have time... Can you please go make me these copies? Or if I don't care if you have time, can you please make me these copies? Or like my manager at The Gap used to always say, what? could you uh, refold the uh, khaki wall? Please and thanks. No, he didn't. Yes. That's like out of the office. Yes, please and thanks. Drove me bananas. That's when The Gap had a khaki wall. Is that when the commercials the were 90s. out for swing dancing? Maybe. Remember the, the white t-shirts and the khaki pants? 1998 or 1999, I worked at The Gap. I had been working for 10 years already. Yeah. <laughs> I, I tipped my hat to you. Yes, I'm sold. Um, yeah, so I don't know about this whole thing and this issue. 
here's here's a a question it, with no answer. Yes. Should women be nicer at work? No. They we should all just be nice and kind and curious and considerate. I don't think I don't think women are sitting there being like, gosh, I really should be nicer at work. I I think it's somehow embedded maybe from, you know, years of sexual oppression. Yeah. Um that we are trying to navigate navigate this senior executive world in a way that we're trying not to get compartmentalized into the bitch or the this mm-hmm. or the that. I said it twice. <laughs> I agree. I think everybody should be nice. No, everybody should um, be nice. I also think the reality is that women do need today to be nicer if they want to be successful in most industries, not all. And I'm not happy about saying that. I don't believe it's right. I do believe that presidential candidates that are women today are being coached on their smile and their tone because that's the way it is today. And there's the tough part, right? You're having to lean in, speak up, yeah. you know, do whatever, however you want to phrase it. You're having to do this thing, fighting someone over-talking you, fighting all of these things, and then you also have to be incredibly pleasant and nice about it. I know, and it's awful. It is. How, how do you do it then? So you're, you know, you're working in an organization. Okay. I have some thoughts on this. Tell me. I have some thoughts. So I have been practicing with my particular language um, to avoid this, if you don't mind, and if it's okay, and this kind of beggy persona yeah. that, you know, that I tend to get or saying, you know, and as Canadians too, we say sorry all the time. The obsequious. And yes, that yes. obsequious. I've really been trying to... Um, be minimalist with my words Um, and therefore saying it, you know, watching my tone, keeping it in a calm and flat tone, having my, um, who's that woman that writes the etiquette in the newspaper? Ann Landers, Dear Abby? Sure. Having my, Uh, sure. I think Having my, my, maybe. (laughs) Having my, you know, P's and Q's. Oh, Emily Post. Maybe. Emily Post, yes. yes. You know, saying my pleases and thank yous um, but not dredging in it, you know? So oh, if yeah. I need to, so let's go back in time. Um, go back in time to that meeting where I was. And again, this wasn't a gender issue per se, but the behaviors reminded me of a, mm-hmm. of a typical gender issue you might have. Uh, you know, how hard would it have been to me for me in that meeting where all of a sudden this person was had completely, gone completely yeah. flip-flopped and just said, can I just jump in for a second? Here was my understanding. Help me understand where the gap is here. Mm-hmm. I think that would have been so easy. And yeah. I don't, again, was it a lack of confidence? Was it yeah. the fact that someone had just kind of steamrolled me? Like what was going on yeah. there? But I think there's really nice ways to speak up, stand up, lean in, um, and do it with confidence. And and you said, can I just jump in? You didn't say, if it's not too much trouble, if we have time, can I just add something? No. No. Can I jump in? I have a question. Or may I clarify something? This was my understanding. Yeah, be quiet. Zip it. Yeah. 
right? And let let that come back and see if I can resolve it. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, and I don't know if that just comes with age and experience. Um, so that would be, you know, if I were if I were speaking to a young woman entering the workforce and and needing needing a place to find her voice mm-hmm. in this workplace, that would be my first step: is find language that feels genuine and real and works for you that's not obsequious that's not hyper direct and demanding yeah, because i think some people are coached to get in there and speak up for yourself and elbow your way in there and just say it because you're you're you need to stop trying to be so feminine and stop trying to be so nice yes. and get in there and just tell people what to do and state your opinion and that nicole might have come to the table and said no, you're wrong, right? You might have interrupted in that meeting and said, yeah. no, that's absolutely not correct. What I heard was this, this, and this. Also not okay. So the obsequious ickiness is sickly sweet. The saying nothing is just of, you know, avoidance. That was the worst And going answer. in and saying, no, you're wrong is way too direct. And yes, I understand a lot of the, the toxic male approach might be to go in and go, no, that's wrong. That's also not nice. Men shouldn't do it either. I feel like today women need to be extra careful um, that they're nice humans. And that's too bad because we all have bad days. And I think it's getting lost that men also need to be nicer, especially in 2019 when the world is not very nice place sometimes. I think everybody should. I don't want anybody to think I'm saying women need to be nicer than men. I am not. I am saying that we might need to pay attention um, because other people are judging us on that. And I also think, based on something you said last week, we need to figure out that language to speak up and role model it as well. Yes. Right? To be able to speak up and say, so when you said that I'm being too nice, right? Yeah. It's something I often think about now whenever I have to say something difficult or say something that's making me feel uncomfortable. I always put it through my own head first. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what if someone was saying this to me? How would I want them to say it to me? And I do this when I'm fighting with my husband too. You know, if I've got to tell him something uncomfortable that I know he's not going to be happy with or whatever, um, I often just go first and say, okay, how would I want him to say the same thing to me? Yeah. And so how can I say it? Because if I say it the same way I'd want to hear it, it should come out quite well. Yes. It should come out thoughtfully. It should come out yeah. kindly. It should come out curiously, whatever, whatever that is. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the, the lens I really take now, you know? And sitting back and thinking about that meeting, I would say, okay... If I had just said something completely wrong, how would I want someone to interject and try and um, shift the narrative, so to speak, right? And that that requires a little bit of thinking about how does that person want to hear it. Absolutely. If you're sitting with someone who will never look at you twice, you might need to be a little bit sharper to get their their attention. Yeah. But most people want to be, especially if they were wrong, they want to be corrected kindly. Yes, and not be, not be embarrassed. Not be embarrassed. By their error. I feel stupid all the time these days. I have things that go in and out of my head because I've got just so many different things uh, going on and I'll make a really dumb mistake. 
and to laugh about it is what I want to do. I don't want somebody to to um, correct me and be all nitpicky and you know, oh yeah. look, you meant this, not that, and then then I don't like that. Yeah. But to make a joke out of it because I do need to be corrected. No, you didn't yeah. mean this. You meant that. Or did you actually mean tomorrow? Or did you mean next Tuesday? Yes. You know, there's ways to do it. That's interesting. It's um, often I use this tactic too when. Um, I know a, a few people in my life, um, what's the word? Uh, they tend to kind of overgeneralize and make these big, broad, sweeping, opinionated statements. Mm-hmm. And those really drive me crazy. You know, the, yeah. you'd be an idiot if you thought yes. X, Y, or Z. And yes. it's like, oh, I actually thought that. So now you think I'm an idiot. Um, and so I often have a lot of practice in my language to say, you know, things like, hmm, what do you think about someone who is in this situation? Does that same lens apply? Yeah. And kind of getting them to slowly shift their mindset rather than saying, no, you're wrong. I'll say, hey, interestingly, I've thought of that, you know, doing that sometimes. You know, does that still it's apply a coaching. to me? It's a co- it's, yeah. it's that practice of asking questions so that people will change their thought patterns from being overwhelmingly generalist to being specific. So everybody's stupid who thinks this way. Okay, what about these people? Well, no, not them because such and such. Okay, and what about these people? Okay, I see what you're saying, you know. And that gets them to be able to have a conversation. And that is such a goal because sometimes you can't. Sometimes there are people who I think they're deep down, they're just angry people and they can't nor do they want to have a conversation like that. In which case, that's this whole thing about balancing directive language versus polite, um, socially acceptable, kind language. Sometimes you do need to be direct. Absolutely. Because that person is only going to hear direct language. Absolutely. I mean, that's not my greatest, you know, skill set. That's one I have to always practice. Yeah. But it's that, you know, do you want to be liked? Yes, you want to be liked. Um, more than that, do you want to be respected? It's that whole thing of, do you go to work to get liked by your entire team if you're a manager? Do you just want them all to like you? Because then you just give everybody, you know, go home early on Fridays even if the company doesn't say so and you buy them pizza and coffee all the time and let them call in sick, um, you know, on Mondays and don't check into it. You know, you can do I all those struggled things with to that be as a, I struggled with that as a new manager. Yeah. I needed to be liked by everyone and that is exhausting. Yeah. But to be respected means you're yes. calling people on stuff and you're doing it in a kind way. You're not embarrassing people. Yeah. You're correcting in private, praising in public, that whole sort of thing. Yeah. And um, I think it also means speaking up in meetings. You said that your team was distressed with you because you didn't correct this incredibly incorrect statement. Because it basically threw them all under the bus as well. It was terrible. Yeah. So that ability to, you know, when we talk about in in communications, being right versus being effective, being liked versus being effective is also important. So yeah, how much are you... taking on that necessity to be liked yeah. over the need to be effective yeah. and the need to be clear and the need to step in. So are you not saying anything just because you want to be liked? You need to say something. How yeah. do you, how do you, they don't have to be complete, complete and separate. I think the tool for people listening today is to think about that frame of reference for themselves. Am I worried about being liked? Can I shift that to worrying about being effective? 
because in order to be effective, you also, you know, not, it need to not be super directive when it's not called for. You need to be kind and polite and thoughtful and hold people accountable and, and, and. So seems um, like almost an impossible task. It, well, you can't please everybody all the time. No. Right. But that's the thing. And, and I, I feel like women more than men, but not a hundred percent more want to be liked and use, and will use this language that is more usually perhaps falsely attributed to women than men. Um, I'm sure there are stats on this. I don't have them. Um, but I think this idea of hearing all of these things in, in, in the world today, just like country music, for heaven's sakes, country music. Think of the, like when you think of legends of country music, sure, you can, in the old school days, you can think of George Jones and, and I know that's way earlier than you. And you can think of Tammy Wynette and Donnie, Dolly Parton and all those people. And and then a little bit later on, you know, the Dixie Chicks. Conway Twitty. Well, that's real. That's Canadian too. Good job, I think. No? I don't know. I remember being in Twitty City. Okay. <laughs> we. I was told I was going to Dollywood, but we ended up in Twitty City. But why? Why? Why would the industry have, it seems, purposely, reduced the number of women out there? Why would they say women don't sell? Women, female singers don't sell as much. They and why have, would they uh, say? Do they have data on it? Like they must I, have. Well, data this on report it. did. It's really interesting. The data that's in there. Um, it's just fascinating, and, and I would say if they're saying that men sell more music, sorry, the country music men sell more music, I would wonder about how they're being marketed versus the women. Are they just being marketed as the, you know, tight shirt, muscle Listenership. Like, yeah. Like, is, it, is the majority of uh, country music listeners women, um, and they want to be kind of crooned to by a male singer I don't know I don't know and I also would argue that because you look at even today how many young girls go to the concerts as we were talking about earlier the Britney Spears concerts and the Taylor Swift concerts and the whatever young girls going young girls love female singers they idolize them so anyway I it just seems like it's changed over time and, and like we're taking a step back almost and which is why people really need to think about what they can do to make those baby step shifts in the cultures where they work. And each of these um, podcasts that we've been talking about focus on a different way. And today I think it's about having each woman think about how do I speak up? Do I speak up? Yeah. I mean, the first step is always self-awareness, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And maybe if I, if I could also go back in time, I would start noticing when I wasn't speaking up, right? Mm-hmm. Why didn't I speak up? What was the scenario? What was that person's personality type? And what kind of, you know, if they had a really highly directive language style, yeah. that probably scared me. Yeah. And I don't respond well to that. And I don't know how to emulate that. So I think... For me, I was, you know, I, I was scared to, to come back with anything because I did not have that same direct, confident style. To just... Well, because you had, your experience was with extreme directness, which is rude. Yes. Right? <laughs> think of the sliding scale. That's just because you know who that was. <laughs> I forgot about that. But yes. No, but there is, I think it's a sliding scale. I yeah. think it's on one side, I think it's that sickly, sweet obsequiousness, sucking up to people, cloying, ick. 
of of yes and and the other one i think it's rude bullying behavior that Mm -hmm. would be my scale of direct language and and there's a balance finding in the middle you i feel that people's default style should be of being kind polite using you know i should say socially acceptable norms but i won't because socially acceptable norms today are not very good yeah um but kind polite um and uh, role model the behavior that you want back i think that's my number like my number one mantra in my life right now you're awful but again they're not listening (laughs) because <laughs> awful people will role model awful behavior. I guess. I guess what I'm saying is I role model the behavior I would want to hear if it was me on the other end. Yeah. And I use myself as a lens. And I guess I probably uh, that's probably easy for me because I'm a, I'm, I tend to be uh, sensitive or I, I have that uh, uh, preference for feeling if we're talking about our MBTI. So that my, my, my initial gut always goes to how will people think about this and how will people perceive that I want to challenge that a little bit though and we've talked about it before do you want a role model so that people talk the way you should the the way you do or do you want to role model the behavior that you think the team needs and the reason I say that is that you don't no I don't think that you necessarily want people to all talk like you but I do think you want people to find their own voice, but to be respectful and kind and whatever. No, yeah, no, I definitely, no, I guess I don't want people to speak exactly like me. That's not my intention, mm-hmm. but to to take thought in how they would want to hear that same type of news or that same, yeah. and, and maybe, you know, if they're a super direct analyzer, yeah. uh, you know, thinking style personality, you know, they might say, oh, I don't care. Just tell me what it is. I don't get offended. I don't get upset. I don't get whatever. I'll just tell you back how it is too. Yeah. So I guess what that means is, you know, really thinking about your recipient and how they, how they might take that information and just take that into consideration. Yeah. And when you layer gender on top of that yeah. and the realities of today, women need to think about how that sounds. And unfortunately, I'm sorry, everybody, I'm really sorry, but you do. I'm so sorry. I hope it doesn't so bother sorry. everybody that I'm saying this, but it's, it's just a truth. Um, be more aware of it. Be more Ru- aware when you Ruth need truths. Ruth's, Ruth's truths. Ruth truths. Be more aware of when you need to be direct too, because if you're sitting around the table with a whole bunch, you're the only woman at the table and you're going to go in there and potentially be um, all soft at this end of the scale, does it mean you need to go to the other end of the scale and be awful? No, it doesn't. But you do need to know when to stick up for yourself and how to do that in an effective way. So being right versus being effective. You need to be effective. And you need to listen to that audience. And you need to role model it, like you said. Because I think that's the only way to affect change. And if you can't affect it in layers of leadership higher than you, you can affect it at your peer level Absolutely. and your team. Yeah. As well. You can say, this is how we talk in this team. And this is how uh, we treat any gender in this team. Everyone is the same. I don't care what gender you are, um, male, female, or other. Don't care. Everyone is treated the same way. And that is the way to make the, the shift. And then that whole discussion of, you know, getting more women in country music or more, it's, it's the same as getting more women at the executive table, more women hired wherever. You need to have um, mandated diversity uh, representation. So 
So, and then once you're there, you need to then be nice about it. <laughs> I have a fake crocodile smile for those of you who can't see me. <laughs> I'm going, oh, yes, you have to be nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's the art of speaking up. Very easy. <laughs> and we'll see you and see you next time. See you next time when we have another scintillating topic. We'll decide what it is before then. <laughs> Until next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, you can find us on all the usual social media. Our website is whiteboardconsulting.ca. And this podcast will be available visually on YouTube by searching Whiteboard Consulting Group, Inc. Or if you want to read our blog that summarizes it, you can check out At The Whiteboard, a publication on medium.com. Finally, if you have any questions or suggestions, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at info at whiteboardconsulting.ca. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.